0: Good morning, y'all, and um, welcome again to episode 64. This is a re-record because, you know, after I record these episodes, I do spot checks, and when I did yesterday's episode, everything sounded great. But then, yesterday evening, I went to pick up some dinner at Arby's, and I thought I'd listen in the car to the entire episode, and the audio was terrible. So, I'm trying again. I don't know what happened because normally it doesn't sound that bad. But anyway, um, so we're going to put me through the agony of telling that horrible story again. But I feel like I owe y'all better quality with the audio. So, um, if you didn't listen the first time this was uploaded count your blessings as far as the audio um but uh just to give you a gist of what we're talking about is a murderer a teenage murderer who documented the actual murder and her feelings about it in her very own diary there's a lot more to it than that so let's get started It's Monday, and that means it's time for a new episode of Mystery, Murder, and Magic.
1: And here's your host. Lee and sometimes Alex.
0: All right, y'all. By all accounts and appearances, Elizabeth Bustamante seemed like a quiet, sweet teenage girl. Her teachers say that she was a good student and she maintained an A and B average. Her friends said that she was very amazing and she loved everyone and everyone loved her. She was even active in her church's youth groups. But the Alyssa that everyone knew had an alter ego online, and that alter ego was very dark. Alyssa and her younger siblings, they came to live with their grandparents when she was only eight years old. Alyssa's mom, Michelle, had had a history of drug and alcohol abuse, and her dad, Caesar, was serving time in prison for assault charges. The kids' grandparents, Gary and Karen Brooke, thought it would be best if they took the kids in and, and raised them themselves so that they would know, have a better life. So they filed the proper paperwork, and soon the four kids were living with them. And they, um, after they gained custody of these kids, they moved them from California to Missouri into this quiet little rural pro- uh, property in St. Martins, Missouri. Now, the home that they provided for the kids was... A stable one, and that was something they didn't have before, you know? But as stable as their home was, in 2007, at the age of 13, Alyssa tried to kill herself. And then she spent only 10 days in a psychiatric hospital there in St. Martin's. She was prescribed antidepressants, but she continued to cut herself she would often, you know, show her scars on her arms to her friends. Now, as I mentioned earlier, Alyssa was a very different person online. Her tweets would often talk about her opposition to authority. And in one post she said bad decisions make good stories. But it doesn't stop there. On YouTube and MySpace, she listed killing people and cutting as her hobbies. She even posted a video on her YouTube channel of her trying to persuade her younger brothers to touch an electrified fence on her grandparents' property. She had even edited the captions on that part of the video of this is where it gets good. We get to see my brothers get hurt. But all of that was just a foreshadowing of what was to come and maybe even a cry for help. Now, Alyssa had a younger sister named Emma, and Emma was friends with a little girl that lived down the street. I think it was like four houses down from them. And that little girl's name was Elizabeth Olton. Well, on October the 21st of 2009, little sister Emma walks down to Elizabeth's house and asks her to come over to play. At first, Elizabeth's mom was like, no, you know, dinner will be ready very soon. But the two little girls, you know how kids are. They kept begging and kept begging Elizabeth's mom. So she finally gave in, and she told Elizabeth to be back home by 6 o'clock so she could eat supper. Well, that was around 5 o'clock in the afternoon. So the girls had about an hour to play before Elizabeth needed to be back home for dinner. Well, 6 o'clock rolls around and elizabeth doesn't show up and her mom patty knew something wasn't right and the main thing that knew you know made her know that something wasn't all right was because elizabeth was afraid of the dark so she knew she wouldn't be out after dark by herself on purpose so she called down to the brook house and hearing um the grandma she told or that Elizabeth had never even been there that day. So immediately Patricia calls, or Patty calls, the police to report the little girl missing. The police showed up almost immediately and then they called in other police departments and the fire department. And by 10 o'clock that night, hundreds of people, including people who live in their community, were searching for the little girl. Elizabeth did have a cell phone, and Patty told the police that she had tried to call it many times, but it just kept going to voicemail. Well, the police contacted the cell phone provider, service provider, and an emergency ping was sent to Elizabeth's phone. Three pings actually showed that the phone was in the woods that were behind where the Brook family lived. Now, that wooded area was very big, so the police called in helicopters, cadaver dogs, and divers. But nothing or no one was found. Around this time, police decided they needed to talk to the very last person who had seen Elizabeth, and that was Emma. And Emma was only six years old at this time. Now, probably because she was afraid, Emma gave the police different stories of what had happened that day. At first, she told the police that she and Elizabeth had played for about an hour, and then Elizabeth walked back home. But then she changed her story and told police that they were playing in the woods, and somehow she, as an Emma, not Elizabeth, Emma, had gotten stuck in some thorns, so she called out to her big sister. Well, that big sister is Alyssa, and she wanted her to come help her. But nothing that Emma told the police added up. And soon, the police realized that the only child that lived with the Brook family that wasn't accounted for was Alyssa. Well, by now, the FBI had been called in, and they decided to talk to Alyssa. She told them that on the day that Elizabeth disappeared, she had skipped school, but she had no idea where Elizabeth was. Well, at first, they didn't really think There was a whole lot of anything suspicious about Alyssa. But then later, when the agent took Alyssa for a walk through the woods, that changed. When the agent found a shallow hole, he asked Alyssa about it, and she simply said that she just likes to dig holes. And okay, that's not that strange. I mean, I've got three kids, and at some point they've all dug holes out in the yard. But... You know, given the circumstances that somebody's missing and you're finding these holes in the area where her phone last pinged, then, you know, that is a little suspicious. But she also added that she would bury dead animals in them. Well, I mean, that is a little strange, but I mean, still not the strangest thing, but, you know, was it random animals that she had came across as she walked through the woods, or did she actually kill them? Well, that thought crossed the FBI's agents' minds too. And the agents obtained a search warrant for Brook the Brook Home, and what they found in Alyssa's room was very alarming. There were a lot of writings and drawings on her bedroom walls. One of the writings said it was written in blood. It was written in blood. And Okay, I didn't repeat that for dramatic effect. That second time it was written in blood was written in all capital letters. Now, Alyssa had also written a poem about cutting herself. Part of it read, I cut to see blood because I like it. She was fascinated with blood and cutting. And on another wall, there was a drawing of a person that had slash marks on their throat and neck, and beside it was written the name Emma. And that was the name of her very own little sister. But y'all, it just keeps getting worse, and you wouldn't think it could get any worse at this point. But what they found in Alyssa's diary was just blood chilling. Entries in Alyssa's diary talked about hurting people. In one entry, Alyssa had talked about burning a house down with a family in it. In another entry, just a week before Elizabeth disappeared, she had written, if I don't talk about it, I bottle it up. And when I explode, someone's going to die. But it was that very last entry that she had written, on the day that Elizabeth disappeared, that ended up being maybe the most damning evidence against her. Now, she had tried to scribble through that last entry, so it couldn't be read. But investigators were able to read it anyway, and it read, quote, I just fucking killed someone. I strangled them and slit their throat and stabbed them. Now they're dead. I don't know how to feel at the moment. It was amazing, but like, sorry, as soon as you get over the, oh my God, I can't do this thing or feeling, it's pretty enjoyable. Kind of nervous and shaky though, right now. Okay, I got to go to church now, LOL. End quote. She actually said it was amazing, y'all, and quite enjoyable. I mean... This shows a clearly disturbed person. After that discovery, Alyssa was brought into the police department for questioning, and she was accompanied by her grandmother, Karen. Last night, I watched a video of the questioning, and it was really something painful to watch. In the beginning, Alyssa was very indifferent and gave short answers to to Detective Ross's questions but it was her body language that was the most incriminating from the beginning now when rice asked her what had happened to elizabeth her words weren't truthful because even though she may have said them with confidence or whatever her body was quivering and a lot of her body language suggested that she was trying to comfort herself and maybe even convince herself that What she was telling the investigator was true. Now, in the beginning, she was very adamant about not knowing anything about Elizabeth's disappearance. She even referred to the story about her sister Emma getting stuck in thorns. After that, she talks about one of her brothers asking if she knew where Elizabeth was, but she said she didn't think much of it at the time. And after that, she got ready to go to church for Wednesday night activities. And when they came back home from church shortly after eight, they found three uh, sheriff department vehicles sitting on their property. And Alyssa says that, that at that point, um, she got ready for bed and she went to sleep. At the end of that part of her story, she says, and that's pretty much it, which is what investigators, detectives refer to as an exclusion qualifier and what that means is that it's a method that people use to withhold certain information, but yet still answer a question truthfully. Now, unknown to Alyssa while she was being interviewed, her body language and the way she uses words were being analyzed along with the words that she chose to use. And in that part of the interview, Alyssa said that when she got home from school, she had gone for a walk in the woods and This means she inadvertently placed herself in the same area that Elizabeth's phone had pinged. But yet, if you remember, too, she's starting to change her story a little bit because at first she said she had skipped school that day. Now, Detective Rife's he starts digging in deeper to the details of the timeline of Alyssa's day on the day that Elizabeth went missing and that was in hopes of you know that by getting more details maybe she would add something to it you know um because she was pretty vague the first time but she did end up revealing more than she had the first time she gave an account of that day she showed rice on a map the trail that she followed and says that She then hung out at the creek and then went back home. And the total amount of time that she was gone was about an hour. Well, this time when asked about what she did after she came home from church, Alyssa told Rice that she was told that the deputies were there searching for Elizabeth because they couldn't find her. When Rice asked her about how that made her feel, she replied with, I was just, I don't think it would, like, you know, happen. So she really only talked about her thoughts. She's clearly a disturbed individual, and not talking about her feelings could be a sign of that, and just... That's just, you know, my opinion. But anyway, when Detective Rice asked her what she knew about Elizabeth, she was very vague again. She gave a general description saying that she was nine years old, had come over to swim with them, but she was a girly girl and she could be annoying. Then the subject of the t- those holes out in the woods comes up again. When asked to tell a little bit about herself, Alyssa says that she enjoys nature and animals and being outside. She also said that she gets bored very easily and that she's easily entertained. So digging holes is something she does to entertain herself. Well, one specific hole came up in the interview. And when she says that she dug it on Sunday, she's unsure of what time. But then she says that on Sunday she had been at her mom's house and it must have been dug, you know, sometime after they got back from visiting her mom just before dark. Well, at that point, Alyssa's grandma pipes in and adds that it was six o'clock Sunday evening that she picked Alyssa up and her siblings up from um, her mom's home, which put them returning back to their home in St. Martin's around 6.30 that evening. Well, Alyssa says once she was home, she took a shower and went to sleep, and she didn't think she had actually dug the hole on Sunday after all. Then she stumbles around on her words, trying to decide when she did actually dig the hole. Now, after ruling out Sunday, she mentioned Saturday, but she was at her mom's home that day, too, And then finally, she decided that it had to have been dug on Friday because she had been at home that day. On that Friday, there had been no school for those kids in St. Martin's. So, you know, she had plenty of time on her hands. So she slept in until around noon. And then after she got out of bed, she decided to go outside. And while she was outside, she dug a hole. Again, she says she was bored and she just wanted to dig a hole. But Detective Rice digs in even more and wants to know more about the specific hole because it was different from the other holes that Alyssa had dug in the past. Now, at first, Alyssa just kind of played it off by saying that she just digs whatever shape comes to mind. But then Rice starts lowering the boom, I guess you could say, on her. And saying that basically that type of hole looks suspicious since they're looking for a missing person and she agreed with him. Now let me tell y'all about this hole because it's not just your average hole. It looks like a grave. And you know, it's rectangle in shape, straight lines, not just a random hole that kids would dig. And when he asked her about what she thought about that, meaning the grave-shaped hole being in the woods where a missing girl is being looked for, she dismissed it with the timing for digging that hole was definitely not good. From here, Rice <clears throat> from here Rice starts laying on a little more pressure <coughs> in an effort to make. Alyssa understand that the truth will be found out by telling her that the FBI has equipment that can penetrate the ground and pretty much see what is in these holes in the ground and from here he starts applying even more pressure he asks if Elizabeth has ever went on those walks in the woods with her had she ever taken her on walks in the woods but Alyssa answered just a simple nope to both of those questions now Bryce can tell that by her body language Alyssa's story is starting to fall apart so he asked her what she thinks happened to elizabeth and she responded with um i really don't think she would run away because she's none and the way they've been searching for two days never found a sign any sign of her So I think that maybe someone kidnapped her or something. It's a terrible thing, but I don't know what else to assume. Now, Rice then asks her if she knows of anyone that would want to take Elizabeth. And she replies with no, but there is a lot of cars that drive down that highway. Well, three more questions and Rice continues to break Alyssa down. It's very interesting in the methods that investigators use to get through to a person. And then he point blank asked her if she did anything to Alyssa or Elizabeth. Because her disappearance, or caused her disappearance, did she kill her or know where she was? And she answered no to each of those questions. And then they begin talking about the search that the FBI did of Alyssa's house, and more specifically, Alyssa's room. Alyssa starts out by telling Rice that the FBI had found some marijuana seeds and her medication in her room, but Rice was quick to let her know that he doesn't care about that, and that's not what they're there for. He asked what the FBI took from her room and Alyssa lists like two or three items. But her grandmother quickly eyes that they had given her a long list of what that they had taken from her room. It was also her grandmother that mentioned Alyssa's diary had been taken by the FBI. Well, I'm going to tell y'all. Alyssa apparently did not know that they had taken her diary because you can almost see that oh shit expression come across her face she was i you would just have to watch the video um but she truly looked like oh you know i think she knew she was done for then and rice had been waiting for this very moment to confront her about the journal entry and like i said lissa knew she was pretty much sol at this point Now, he starts off by asking Alyssa if she thinks that the FBI went through the diary, to which she said that if they had collected it, they most likely had. Then Rice comes down hard on her, and he talks about how technology can read through scribbled-out notes and how the scribbles of ink doesn't make the original writing go away. He also tells her that they want to find out what happened to the little girl, and Alyssa starts falling apart. She gives short answers to Rice's questions. Rice asks where she's at, and Alyssa replies with, I don't know. And then Rice mentions that if whatever happened was an accident, they still need to know the truth. And this is another tactic that they use of getting suspects, I guess you could say, to to open up and talk. Now, Rice asked Alyssa if this was something that was planned out or an accident to which she replies with, it was an accident. Now, y'all, Rice already knew that what happened to Elizabeth was not an accident. But by suggesting it, he did get Alyssa to start talking a little more. Now, at this point, Alyssa and her grandmother, because remember I said her grandmother was in the room probably because she is a minor, But um, they both start crying as Alyssa asks her to tell him what happened. Well, Alyssa says that she went into the woods and she found Elizabeth there. And she was alone. The two decided to hang out because it was a nice day. Well, by this time Alyssa is sobbing and she says that they were just messing around and Elizabeth fell and then she died. Alyssa says she didn't know what to do, so she burned her body. She was so adamant about no one helping her, though. To me, it's hard to believe that a 15-year-old girl who's, I mean, she's a small girl, but how could she carry this out on her own? And when he asked how she burned her, Alyssa said that she just got a bunch of wood and started a fire, but y'all, we all know from watching so much crime shows and whatnot that it takes a lot more than that to actually burn a body now i believe that Alyssa probably said you know that she burned elizabeth in an effort to say there's no evidence you know just saying don't you don't bother going looking because there's no evidence left but if it was an accident why would she do that you know Now, Alyssa kind of tries to retract her words about the hole being dug on Friday by saying that she had dug that hole on Wednesday just before Alyssa came over, and then she turned around and immediately said that the hole had been dug on Friday, which was five days before Elizabeth went missing, but whether it was dug on Wednesday or Friday, premeditation had been established. And at one point, she had even said, I guess, trying to still make it look like it was an accident, that she had dug it after Elizabeth fell." But anyway. But like I said, premeditation had been established by this point. In an effort to get Alyssa... Sorry, y'all. In an effort to get her to... um, In an effort to get Alyssa to give a truthful confession, Rice starts telling her that whether she had burned the body or not, an autopsy would show the cause of death and again tells her that they need to know the truth. And then point blank, he asks Alyssa how she killed Elizabeth. But Alyssa says that she didn't kill Elizabeth. That Elizabeth died. Then he asked how Elizabeth died, and Alyssa stuck to the story that they were just messing around, and then Elizabeth fell back and hit her head. But then there's a sudden turn in the interview. Rice asked if Elizabeth's throat was cut, and her reply sent her grandmother into a breakdown. And the breakdown of emotions was so bad. Like, I felt so bad for her watching this video. And she eventually had to leave the interrogation room. But yes, Alyssa had cut Elizabeth's throat. Now, can you imagine taking in these kids, trying to give them a better life, and then something like this happens like seven years later? Alyssa's grandmother's world was just shattered, and I can't even begin to understand what that must be like. Now, I'm sure, you know, because of the suicide attempt, she knew that Alyssa had her problems, but I'm also pretty sure that she didn't think her granddaughter was capable of murdering a nine-year-old girl. And even after Karen left the room, you can still hear her in the video out in the hallway screaming that it will never be okay it, it's just so sad now maybe her grandma exited in the room and then hearing her anguished cries encouraged Alyssa to start talking I, I that's just my thought but um she told rice that she had used a kitchen knife and when she came back into the house she put the knife in the sink and she washed it She also told um, them that after Elizabeth was dead, she stabbed her in the chest, what she thought was two times, but the autopsy revealed that Elizabeth had been stabbed a total of eight times in the chest area. Rice asked for another step-by-step timeline of the events of what happened that day. So, Alyssa says that she got home from school around 3.30 and went into the forest for a walk around 5.30. She saw that Elizabeth was outside when she went outside and walked over to Elizabeth's house and her sister Emma was with her for part of the way, but in her own words, she ditched her. While she and Elizabeth hung out by the creek, she decided that she was going to kill the little girl. She says she doesn't know why she killed Elizabeth. At first, she says that she came up behind elizabeth and slashed her throat and then stabbed her but that's part of the story changes in a few minutes and she sticks to the story of burning elizabeth and adds that she has scattered the remains in the creek but detective ross reminds her that it's very hard to burn a body and ask if she really burned elizabeth's body to that she replied no but she did say that she pushed Elizabeth's remains into the creek. Well, Ross isn't buying it, though, because he soon starts talking about the hole again. And to put even more pressure on Alyssa, he asked if her grandpa, Gary, had helped her dig the hole. She quickly says no to that. He didn't help her, and no one had. She tries telling Rice that she dug the hole with the knife but again, he's not buying that and he calls her out on it. Well, even when threatened with a polygraph, she still says that no one helped her. And finally, little by little, the truth starts coming out like the real truth. Alyssa had, in fact, dug the hole on Friday. She insisted that she had told no one about what she had done, including her boyfriend, but we're going to get to him in a few minutes. Now, during this entire interview, a juvenile advocate was also in the room while she was being interviewed. She told Alyssa that the justice system treats those who tell the truth differently than those who lie. So Alyssa finally drops the part of burning the body and totally opens up about what happened that day. Alyssa blurts out that she slit her throat and strangled her. Now things are starting to make more sense. She strangled her with her own bare hands, then took the knife that was in her waistband and slit Elizabeth's throat and stabbed her chest. She says that she then buried Elizabeth's body. Well, still thinking that Elizabeth had help, Rice asks Elizabeth if Elizabeth's body is still out there, and she says, I think so. And then Rice asked if she's still out there in the same spot to which she answers, I believe so. Now, maybe it's just me, but if you were acting alone in a crime, now, you would know Elizabeth's body is still out there. Maybe she was just trying to throw him off. I, I don't know. I, I noticed in some of the interview, it was like she was trying to play dumb, but um, body language was a big thing in that. Um, it gave away a lot that words weren't saying but i still kind of think that maybe she did have an accomplice but the question of why she had picked elizabeth still remained at first Alyssa says that she doesn't know why she picked the little girl but then she says that she just wanted to know what it was like to kill someone so y'all it was basically a thrill kill And that wasn't the first person she had said something similar to her boyfriend told investigators that Alyssa had asked him one time if he had ever wondered what it was like to kill someone. And when he answered, no, the conversation ended. He also told investigators that he doesn't believe Alyssa acted alone and had to have had help. And not only that, he also admitted that he was afraid of Alyssa He was afraid of what she might do if she found out that he had given the authorities any information. Like, maybe she would come after him or his family. I mean, this boy was truly terrified of Alyssa. Now, near the end of the video, Alyssa agrees to go out to the area where she buried Elizabeth to help authorities locate her body. In the audio of that walk through the woods, Alyssa repeats the story of what happened that day. A few days after the autopsy, Elizabeth was laid to rest in the pink casket that had been transported to the cemetery by a horse-drawn carriage. There were still inconsistencies in the accounts that she and the boyfriend had given authorities. The boyfriend told police that the day after Elizabeth had disappeared, he had stayed home from school and Alyssa had skipped school to hang out with him. Now his mom came home sometime between twelve thirty and one p.m. So he hid Alyssa in a closet, and he also gave her clothes to change into. And nobody—that's never been explained. Why did he give her clothes to change into? Well, the boyfriend's mom gets into the shower, and while his mom is showering. He claims that Alyssa suddenly confessed to the murder. And at that point, he says he told her that she had to leave and he let her out the front door of their home or his and his mom's home. He says that this was the last time he saw Alyssa or talked to her. But Alyssa swore up and down that she hadn't told anyone. Remember, she told him that she had not told anybody about what she had done. Alyssa was charged with first degree murder, and even though she confessed, she still entered a plea of not guilty. Now, the following month, Alyssa was declared an adult because the crime that she committed was of adult nature. She was also placed into an adult jail because the circuit judge that was presiding over the case said that the juvenile facilities that they had there. Or an equipped to handle someone who had committed a crime like she had committed the day before going to trial in january of 2012 she withdrew her not guilty plea and she agreed to a like a plea bargain for a lesser charge and that charge was second-degree murder and since she was pleading guilty she waived her right to a jury trial but one of the conditions of her taking that plea agreement was she had to get up in front of the courtroom and tell everyone there the details of what had happened on the day that Elizabeth was murdered. The courtroom was filled with Elizabeth's family, Alyssa's family, and members of the community. And when she spoke, they say that she had zero emotion in her voice. When it came time for sentencing, Alyssa's defense said that she didn't know that killing Elizabeth was wrong and they talked about Alyssa's mental health. Now, it is true that she had been diagnosed with major depression, anxiety disorder, PTSD, borderline personality disorder, and she was starting to show early signs of bipolar disorder. However, in interviews with mental health professionals who had treated Alyssa, they said that they didn't really think that Alyssa would be capable of such a crime but it was also one of these healthcare care professionals or mental health professionals that told police in an interview that Alyssa did know the difference between right and wrong. So there's that now in February of 2012, Alyssa was sentenced to life in prison, but y'all there's another twist in this story because it doesn't end here. Now, Alyssa wouldn't have been eligible for parole until the year 2044. But Senate Bill 26 passed, and it says that if anyone was convicted as a minor, they can ask for parole after serving only 15 years, which means she could ask to be paroled in 2027, which is only five years from now, y'all. She is serving her sentence at the Women's Eastern Missouri Reception Diagnostic and Correctional Center. Now, Alyssa wasn't finished going through the court system. In 2017, Elizabeth's mom, Patty, sued Alyssa for wrongful death. An agreement was reached in July of uh, 2017, where Alyssa would have to pay Patty $5 million dollars. In that agreement, Patty dropped any remaining counts, and Alyssa agreed to notify Patty if she received any compensation that would come from any publicity about the case. All right, y'all. Well, that's it for that episode, or this episode. I am sorry that I had to re-record this, and you're having to listen to it again, but I feel like quality is important. But anyway, y'all have a good rest of your day and don't forget to come back on Wednesday morning for the midweek mini. Have a good one.
1: Thank you.